I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. Everybody, it's Dean Jackson and the Joe Polish, the original, the one. The Joe Polish. Mm-hmm. You know that's my that's my Twitter handle, the Dean Jackson. Yeah, if it was the Joe Polish, you'd have more followers. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we we uh, we discussed this on the last episode briefly. Mm-hmm. That you don't care about all the people that follow you on Twitter. No, so we that's have, not true. Do, are people still on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I think the same people that were on MySpace are on Twitter now. Yeah, exactly. That's what happened. I wondered about that. Uh-huh. Wondered, you think 20 years from now that Facebook will still exist? I don't know. I think it will because they've got traction now. I think it's like, that's the one. I can't see anything taken over. But it's a great question. And that's part of the thing. Like, when you think about it, you know, 2006, uh, that's only seven years ago, eight years ago now. So for eight years gone from nothing to this, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's mind boggling. Well, it is a great question is what do you think? Like that's kind of, um, I've really been on a, a thought tangent, um, not a tangent, but a thought process of thinking, um, 25 years, you know, since Dan's been talking about that, uh, Dan Sullivan, we've been talking about at strategic coach, this idea of a 25 year plan. And I'm just seeing how that changes the way you think about things. You know, when you're thinking about 25 years and you start to think, well, what's going to be here in 25 years, right? Like if, if you go back 25 years, there's no way to even imagine something like Facebook or Google or a podcast with hundreds of thousands of people all over the world listening in for free every week. It's 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 impossible to think about those things, you know. Yeah, you know, you know the impact that it makes though. And and by the way, let me create some context for this episode. We can kind of do a little bit more catch up on what both of us have been doing and then I think we should talk about book marketing because uh, there's been mm-hmm. a lot of uh uh, and even if someone I has no great stories too, yeah, good. good. Uh, the, the the whole thing. Yeah, you know, I remember. Uh, you know, remember that crazy, freaking twisted TV show, Nip Tuck. Did you ever watch that? Yeah, I never watched it, but I know about it. Yes, yeah, it sort of reminded me of your life. But ba- basically, <laughs> I m- I remember. I don't know why I remember this, but there was there was. Uh, they used to do these episodes and then they would promote the heck out of Nip Tuck on MySpace. And it was on the, it's on the DVDs. It's on, you know, I mean, they, they literally embedded it as part of the, um, of the show and they would drive people to MySpace versus their own website. And you look back today of back then, that was when MySpace was the thing. And, And now it's not. And and it's it's really interesting the longevity of stuff and how things could rise like rockets to such heights and then come all the way down. Mm-hmm. And we live in that sort of world right now where 
things are a very big deal and some things are timely and other things are timeless. And what is certainly timeless is direct response marketing principles. I mean, I just, you know, we did our Genius Network annual event, which personally I felt was the greatest event that we've ever done. And certainly I had a whole bunch of people that said that's the best event they'd ever been to of any event, period. Uh, and And it was really powerful. And then from there, you know, I went just a crazy week. I went to a strategic coach group uh, on the unique ability. Um, like a few days after, uh, the day after the Genius Network event, I spent an entire day with Ariana Huffington videotaping her about the subject of her book Thrive, which you know, obviously, I headed up a lot of the marketing uh, with that. And we had you know Brendan Bouchard in the room, Mary Morrissey, Jeff Madoff, who does all the Victoria's Secrets commercials. Uh, we had uh, Dean Graziosi, Brendan, Darren Hardy. Uh, who else was there? Um, Denise Gosnell. Um, just I'm forgetting some people. But but yeah. we, we we did that we did that whole uh, day. And we're going to actually put out the videos on Thrive to people, and then we did a couple hours just on how she sold Huffington Post for over $300 million. How do they monetize it? Can anyone uh, create that sort of stuff? So all this sort of perspective, but a lot of the main, um, you know, mission of creating those videos was to create a movement on redefining uh, the subject of success. And just like on our, you know, John Paul DeGioia uh, interview, where he talked about marketing at the very end because, you know, we asked him about, you know, what do you think of marketing? And he, he talked about a book, you know, and we'll, we'll, and storytelling that people will have to listen to that episode if they haven't um, to, to understand that. But, you know, a, a book becomes a storytelling vehicle to spread your message. And that's mm-hmm. the essence of what marketing is. So, so we, we took what started with a book and we're creating knowledge products and curriculum and education uh, built around it. And then I did something really bizarre, and I have no idea what I'm going to do with all of this, but um, Jordan Belfort, the real wolf of Wall Street, who is just hysterical and funny and a total character. You know, I've known him for several years. Even you know, I met him before the movie came out, and I've interviewed him, and we put an episode with him on ilovemarketing.com. If you haven't listened to it, no matter what your opinion is of Jordan, uh, I think you would really enjoy that that interview. And he's like, you know, come stay at my my house, and he has a house uh, on Hermosa Beach, right on the Strand. And so I went out there for three days, invited uh, Eunice and Rochelle to come out, and he didn't even get back till the last night because he was out of the country. So we're staying at his beach house. And then he comes back into town. And, you know, I I set up a lunch with uh, Stuart Johnson, who owns Success Magazine, and Jay Abraham, because the night before I went over Jay Abraham's house for dinner, and Jay's a real dear friend of mine. And so I get, like, all three of them together, Jordan, uh, the the owner of Success Magazine, and Jay Abraham, and it was just this hysterical lunch. Eunice and and Rochelle were there with me. And so basically, uh, we decide that night to watch The Wolf of Wall Street together sit down with Jordan late at night. And so I'm sitting there, and the movie's three hours long. And we watch the entire movie, but every few minutes, we stop it, and I ask him, did this really happen? Is this accurate? What's the real story here? And I shoot over an hour and a half of video footage with Jordan giving commentary about the movie that was made about his life. 
Right. And, it, and it's absolutely fascinating, this video footage. I don't know what the hell I'm even going to do with it yet, but it's like... That's fantastic. It's wild. And so we did that, and then I come back into town and do a live cast with Dean Graziosi, which was extremely successful. So a lot of people have seen the, the live cast that we did at Dean's office. And Dean, of course, uh, you know, promoted the Living Daylights out of, uh, out of my event, and that was really awesome of him. Uh, and then what did I do then? I go and I'm the keynote speaker at the largest cleaning convention in the U.S. because one of the uh, company called Legend Brands um, that supplies 90% of all re- cleaning and uh, res- restoration companies with their chemicals and their equipment, um, they came to my uh, the, the CEO uh, came to my Newport event and was just absolutely blown away. And they asked to endorse uh, and partner with me to help all of their cleaning and restoration companies with all of the marketing that I've spent over 20 years creating. And, and so I've kind of gone back into the cleaning niche in a different sort of way than I ever have because, you know, we've got this great company that wants to, you know, endorse my stuff. So I did that, and then, you know, I, I can't remember what I did after that, but then I went to Newport Beach, and we went to Brian Kurtz's uh, event, uh, you know, Titans of Direct Response. Right. And Brian Kurtz runs Boardroom Inc. And, and I want to mention this because there was several people there that are I Love Marketing listeners that went to that event because they found out about the late Marty Edelston and Brian Kurtz from listening to I Love yeah. Marketing. And there was about 350 people there. And I'm not kidding you, Dean. At least half of the people there, I would believe, have, are either active listeners of I Love Marketing or they have listened to a few episodes. Uh, I mean, oh, there was... I'm constantly amazed by that too. I mean, same thing. Eben had about 400 people in Chicago, and uh, we did a, a, a you know when Eben uh, brought me up, we were, how many people listened to I Love Marketing? Same thing. It's like it's so, um, yeah, so so uh, out there. It's crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, great. It, it's great. It, it was it was really good, and the reason I bring this up is is throughout. Uh, you know, I love marketing. I'll share uh, some of the things from that event. We'll probably bring Brian and some of the other guests on. You know, one funny thing, he had Dan Kennedy there, uh, Gary Benzavinga, who never speaks at events, has only done one event his entire life. He's one of the top marketing gurus in the world, that years ago, uh, copywriters in the world. Uh, Paris Lantropolis, uh, Arthur Jones, uh, Greg Ranker from Guthy Ranker, dear friend Joe Sugarman, uh, Jay Abraham. Uh, you know, David Deutsch. I mean, there were, there were just some really, really uh, great marketers there. And it was three days of hearing, you know, there will never be another gathering like that ever. I mean, bringing mm-hmm. those types of, of copywriters uh, there together. And we had a great dinner. I drove up with uh, Dan Kennedy, Gary Benzavinga, and Brian Kurtz, and we had these crazy conversations in the car, which I thought was awesome. And, um, you know, I, I, I came back from that event. Well, they did two days of the event, and then they did hot seats. And I went over some different strategies with people during during the hot seats, and, you know, because Brian kept Brian and David, who were doing the hot seats, kept asking on me for, for, for my advice. You know, I was sitting there next to Ken McCarthy, and we were, like, dispensing, you know, hot seat advice. And it, it, it's so funny how, like, long copy still outperforms short copy. 
mm-hmm. and, and there are test after test after test uh, proven invalidating that. Whereas you know people are like people are distracted now; they're not going to read anything. All that old stuff doesn't work, and mm-hmm. you know. And here you have you know Richard Vigory. Even you know we did that amazing episode with Richard yeah. Vigory. He was there, and th- there's there's all this validation. So I, co- well, I come. Wait a second. Say twenty five K member. Richard oh yeah, Richard Vigory became a 25K <laughs> member. This is a guy that invented. Event, yeah, uh, I mean, I- invented conservative direct mail. I mean, we've got so many awesome uh, Genius Network members. Yeah, I'm just totally stoked about that. So I come back into town, and uh, I'll share this with you. I get invited to a meeting um, from from a friend. There's like all these high level CEOs and entrepreneurs. And the guy speaking is the uh, author uh, of the book No Easy Day, Mark Owens, who was one of the 24 Navy SEALs who was on the bin Laden mission to basically you know, find and uh, capture or kill bin Laden. And he walked through the entire, like how they went into the home, the compound, what it's like to be a Navy SEAL, all of the training they have to do, just the the craziest stuff I've ever I've ever heard, and the guy's got a new book coming out, and maybe we'll do an interview with him. But he's very private, no pictures, no videotaping, no recording. It was it was interesting as heck. So I immediately come back and see that, and then that night I go to Google Zeitgeist, and I basically have dinner with Eric Schmidt, the chairman of uh, of um, you know Google, and I sit right next to him and spend 45 minutes talking to him. And at that table is Martine and Bina uh, Rothblatt, who um, is, is basically the creator of satellite radio, Sirius Radio. And then right next to Martine is Craig Venter, who mapped the human genome. And then right next to me is another guy named Michael, who was uh, incarcerated for 25 years for murdering his wife, but he was innocent. And they found out through DNA uh, who actually really did it. And the person's now in prison. But this guy was in prison for like 25 years for a murder he didn't commit of his wife. And I'm just sitting there going, wow, this has been such an interesting day. (laughs) And then the next day, um, you know, there's the meetings in the morning. And Martine speaks, which is awesome. If you type in Google Zeitgeist, you can watch the videos, Google Zeitgeist 2014, which are fascinating. And um, I had, uh, you know, met Larry Page again, second time, and I had a very brief lunch with Chris Anderson, who owns uh, TED, uh, TED.com, and asked Bill Clinton, who was uh, one of the speakers, the closing question of Google's iGuys. I'm just hoping they put the video up with Bill Clinton so I can see myself asking him this question on how he handles criticism. Uh, but I came back from that, and the reason I bring all of that up is, you know, if you really pursue interesting, unique stuff, and you make it a priority, you will figure out how to do it. One of the things that um, Mark said, the the Navy SEAL guy, is that, you know, if you really, the training is 70% um, mental and 30% physical, and it's crazy, crazy training. But he also said that, you know, you can can accomplish, um, you know, what it is that you uh, you know, that you want to do if you actually put your, you know, put your mind to it. And he also has a thing about how he had to compartmentalize things that if he couldn't affect it, he doesn't worry about it. And that was one of the, the biggest, uh, you know, trainings he ever had. And, and, and more than anything, without getting into the political reasoning behind what, you know, what happened and what it is that, that, that they do, just when I'm in a place where I'm thinking like my life is difficult, for some reason, things like that, 
uh, put it into perspective. I'm pulling out my little journal here. He, you know, he was a 14-year career as a Navy SEAL. Um, he's got two kids. He said the divorce rate of the average Navy SEAL is 95% because they're deployed for, you know, sometimes 200, 300 days a year. Um, they have to go through this thing that called uh, beds, um, this training. And you know, he said that if you put your mind to something, you can accomplish anything if you really put your mind to it. And I'm not sure about that, but he's like, you have to learn how to to endure torture. <laughs> and they had a saying that the only easy day was yesterday. And there's one thing they did where they, they tie their hands and their feet and they throw them in a pool and it's called drown proofing. And they have to figure out how to do that. And sometimes they'll be in the water for for hours. And he said the BUDS training is during that time they have to. They, they total it up. They they basically uh, have to run 1,627 miles. This is in a six-month period. Uh, swim 134 miles, 42 dives. So they spend 61 hours underwater. Hike 150 miles with uh, an average of 70 pounds on your back. Um, and, and basically, he says it's the equivalent of swimming from Cuba to Florida and then running from Florida to New York City. And you have to just think of that as, you know, eating an elephant, taking, taking one bite at a time. And I walked out of there, and it's just, you know, I'm like going, okay, how does this apply to my life? And he talked about, you know, adapt and evolve. Uh, if you're still doing the same things you're doing 10 years ago, you're, you know, what the hell do you think? Why are you going to succeed anywhere? And there's a lot of lessons that can be learned from that. And it was, uh, and he said, don't believe everything you see on TV. And he said that, uh, you know, he talked about the Mike Tyson a quote, you know, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. And that's, uh, you know, that was, uh, that, that was important. And, and more than anything, he, he reinforced that, uh, you know, he said that after they met um, uh, President Obama, he, President Obama asked him, you know, who shot uh, bin Laden? And he's like, you know, with all due respect, sir, you know, we all did. <laughs> and they, they didn't tell him the answer of who actually uh, did it because he says it's always teamwork. And yeah, so anyway, take that for um, whatever it is. He just said, you know, anything half-assed that you do, shame on you. If you're going to do something, you know, be be 100% in. He's like, that's the only way you ever, uh, you ever basically would ever make something like the Navy SEALs. I believe he said 183 people started. I think only like 23 actually made it through the training. And then they had another nine-month training after that. And out of the 23, only 50% of those people make it. And But man, talk about a tough, tough life. And very interesting. And he, you know, especially transitioning back. So the the thing is, what I think has helped me to be a better marketer is I constantly seek out learning things from areas where it doesn't seem like it would have anything to do with marketing, but it, what, what it does do is it gives me different perspective and, you know, applying it to different things. And as it relates to book marketing, he's got a new book coming out. And, and then after I had my, my lunch with, uh, you know, Chris Anderson and wrapping up, um, the Google Zeitgeist conference, uh, I then do a 90-minute phone call with Tony Robbins, uh, you know, a couple hours later, uh, helping Tony with his, his new book. So that's sort of the setup for me rambling about all of the, the stuff I was doing. I I don't know if any of that was valuable or if you have any insight on that, Dean, but if, you know, we can edit it out of here if we want to or, we, you know, if it made sense, then we can just talk about some book marketing. But I just wanted to, to kind of share like an immersion that I had that was kind of a trip. You know, that's just one little slice of the last 30 or 40 days of your life here. 
And, uh, you know, I think part of the stuff is like seeing and understanding where it all comes from. I think that variety, like exposing yourself to different things and exposing yourself to um, new environments and different people really is, it's all part of the mix that goes into making you the marketer that you are, you know, me too. I mean, just being traveling internationally, especially you see things differently, you know, you get exposed to different things. You meet different people, you see different things that they're doing. And, um, it's fascinating. I love hearing about all the adventures. Uh, yeah, no. Well, so the, one thing he said where someone asked him, um, oh, and by the way, when I was describing uh, Brian Kurtz's event, I think I said uh, Arthur uh, Jones instead of Arthur Johnson. So <laughs> I apologize for that. Uh, come back to that. But someone asked him in the audience, like, you know, how has this affected you in civilian life, you know, now? And, you know, how difficult. And he says it's, you know, it's been really hard to transition. And, and I asked him a question about how, you know, there's more suicides from soldiers than people that are actually dying in service, dying in battle, which is horrible. That's how, that's how much it affects many of these soldiers in a negative way, which is just, you know, terrible. And that, and that you know, whatever army and whatever part of the world, that's what war actually, you know, does for, you know, a lot of people, how it affects them. And he says he has this thing called, he's like, I have Tom's disease. And he's like, do you know what that is? And everyone's there like, well, what is he talking about? He's like, terrified of missing shit. And, and I thought, I thought that was a great insight where it's like, wow, you know, how many entrepreneurs do we know that just every opportunity you got to do it? How much of that do I have myself where, right. Over, I wonder that. Yeah. You know, like over committing. Like I had to pull the plug. That was something that, you know, cause I was going to go to, um, Titans myself and, you know, got to the, the end there. I was having some trouble with my leg and I was, uh, here just getting to the the end and I really didn't want to miss Titans but then it's always there's always something you know that so I had to just kind of you know come back here but you know just as an aside you know Joe Stump is the oldest civilian to ever complete the Navy SEALs uh, Kokoro training really yeah we wrote a whole book about it called The Willing Warrior and uh, it's just such a transformational experience, you know, like, I mean, what you have to become uh, in order to, it, it, I guess the whole thing is, and that's really Joe's lesson from having done it, is that if you can do that, you literally can do anything, you know, and that's what the whole thing is to really get yourself in that situation. But part of the things that you know, Joe has shared about it or, or just the having to, you know, you can only, uh, you, you just, just get used to enduring this moment's suffering, just suffer silently right now and know that it's just about getting through this moment and focusing on, you know, one moment at a time. Don't think about the, you know, the accumulation of it. Yeah, well, and also during this time, like right before the Newport event, my dear friend Sean Stevenson, um, you know, mm -hmm. had a 
dog, a service dog in training, and he was out on his wheelchair. And people that don't know Sean Stevenson, S-E-A-N Stevenson, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N, Sean Stevenson, he wrote a book called Get Off Your Butt. He's three foot tall, 45 pounds, in a wheelchair his whole life because he has a brittle bone condition. And, you know, he had broken over 200 bones in his body by the time he was 18 years old. I mean, endured enormous amounts of pain and and suffering. And in spite of that, became a Ph.D., uh, a hypnotherapist, Tony Robbins wrote the forward to his book, just a really sharp, witty guy. You know, he's, he's out with his dog in his wheelchair, and the, 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 the dog's, uh, you know, collar was, you know, connected to the wheelchair, uh, leash, I'm sorry, connected to the wheelchair, and uh, got spooked by another dog and ran and literally pulled Sean's wheelchair over, and Sean fell down. First time in years, he broke his leg, his right leg, the kneecap, the ankle, and the femur, and fractured the back of his skull. And so I find out about this. Luckily, I'm in town. So I go to the hospital, like literally right after it happened. And Sean is freaking out because, you know, he had bleeding on his brain. And he was like, worried that he was going to die. And this is a guy who has done so much to help other people. And it was crazy just seeing the transition and like the pain that he was in and you can't set his bones because of the brittle bone condition you literally have to let it sit there and calcify and this guy was in such pain for that week and you know it, it was just totally insane and it's things like that that just put stuff in perspective and it makes me realize that you know that is just like life i mean everyone's life experience are different things but it makes me think about times where my life is awesome and i'm doing well like right now you know things are really great and there's other times where i've just been a complete freaking puddle of you know just a train wreck and it's you know it's it's in those moments and times where i lean on knowledge i you know i i listen to a lot of uh, it's one of the reasons I think I just pursue, you know, a lot of personal development, a lot of personal growth, a lot of uh, relationships. Just, uh, uh, you know, there are going to be times where, you know, you just, you know, you just life ain't going to be working well, and mm-hmm. it's, it's it's during those things that kind of kind of keep you going. So, anyway, that's sort that's sort of the ramble. Let's talk about some book marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So you're on a bit of a there. I mean, starting with. Uh, Peter Diamandis with uh, Abundance, and then Ariana, and now with Tony. So, what's what have you learned? What's what can what I what I have learned is that writing a good book or a great book uh, or a world class book is not the key to having uh, a lot of people (laughs) read it, a lot of people buy it. It is marketing, just like what I've learned with people that have done successful crowdfunding uh, campaigns like uh, Brendan Bouchard. He spoke at the Genius Network annual event, and he you know, was the marketing um, advisor behind Coolest, the Coolest Cooler, mm-hmm. which on Kickstarter, which now has become the largest uh, Kickstarter campaign in history. I what, did like you know, close to $14 million or something. And it was at $8.9 million when I introduced him up on stage at, uh, you know, in mid-August at my Genius Network annual event that it was the number two Kickstarter campaign in history. And now it had become, um, you know, it, 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 it closed being the top Kickstarter campaign, beat, beat Pebble Watch. And, of course, yeah. they tried to launch that campaign before, and it failed. So they needed to get the marketing right. They needed to get it right. And so... 
you know, I'm going to help Peter on his next book, which is coming out called Bold. Uh, there's actually quite a few people that have books coming out. And the funny thing is, is I've never written a mainstream book. People constantly ask me, you know, I mean, me and you have written the I Love Marketing books. Um, you know, I've, I've written the Little Book of Ass Kickers. I've created, you know, I, I mean, we create on I Love Marketing the equivalent of, you know, a new book every month. Uh, but we don't publish it as a book. But the thing is, is people seek us out in order to help them, you know, with the marketing and the messaging, including Ariana. And so some of the things that I talked about before, first off, what's the outcome you want for the book? I mean, do you want to sell? you want to be on New York Times? Do you want to use it as a way to uh, credentialize yourself? Do you want to use it as a back-end business? Uh, there's, there's certainly an uh, authority effect that comes with being an author, you know, people tend mm-hmm. to uh, perceive you, not tend to, people do perceive you differently as an author versus a non-author. So, you know, there's many different reasons uh, to write a book, but certainly I, I think of a book as telling a story, uh, giving advice. You know, there's there's what books that tell you what to do, and then there's how books that tell you how to do it. Uh, you know, for instance, I'm a you know, I'm a guy that practices transcendental meditation, and there's a great book called Transcendence. Uh, it's a what book, not a how book. You're not going to learn how to do TM by reading that book. What you'll learn is all of the research and the science and uh, who does it, why to do it, uh, that sort of thing. But they can't teach you transcendental meditation out of a book. But they, what they can do is give you a perspective on it. But I read that book before I went through the TM training, and, you know, people can get TM training at TM.org. Uh, but, you know, so there's many different perspectives, but the, 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 the takeaway is that it still is all marketing. You, you have to, there, there, you know, there, there is no um, strategy to writing a world-class book, but ha- not having a marketing plan in place. Like J.J. Virgil, for instance, she's going to, at the time we're doing this recording, I would venture to say in, you know, two or three months from now, her uh, book on sugar will probably be uh, the top, uh, you know, fitness, health, nutrition book in the country. If, how long will that last? I don't know. But JJ is hustling. And I was having lunch with her after um, the the Newport event. We, you know, I was driving, I drove uh, to LA and I was coming back like a week later and listening to podcasts and everything uh, on my drive, uh, you know, I, I literally drove by myself, and it gives me some time to think and listen, and, uh, and I actually love that because I, I learned so much, and podcasting is so freaking cool. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, so I'm, I meet up with her in, in, in Palm Desert, and we have a, a real famous author uh, who has a new book coming out, and he's never done some of the book campaigns, and it's become more increasingly difficult uh, if you try to use strategies of the past in today's environment with, you know, electronic books and that sort of stuff and, you know, just how much messaging is out there in the marketplace and said, you know, I'm going to, I want to have so-and-so help me, you know, run my campaign. You know, what, you know, how does that work? What would they charge? And, you know, here me and you have worked on campaigns like right now with Tony, I'm just giving Tony you know, advice. I helped uh, Jared Cohen and Eric Schmidt from Google with their book, The New Digital Age. We have the magnificent, yeah. you know, mystery man, JR, who we've interviewed a couple of times on I Love Marketing, who I've recruited to help me with uh, a lot of these campaigns uh, to do stuff. And I said to JJ, you know, if someone wanted to hire you to help them launch their book, what would you what would you charge them? I mean, any idea? And I shot a video with her, and 
maybe we'll put the video up off the talk there because it's just like me and her in a restaurant. And it was done for this, you know, famous author that wanted to get help. And she's like, honestly, I don't even think I could charge someone a million dollars to do it. She goes, it wouldn't even be worth my time. There's so many things to do. She's like, I got a team of 30 people that are working on this launch that I'm getting ready to do. You, you just can't delegate that. I mean, you have to learn certain things yourself. I mean, you just can't like write a book and then, oh, let me give it to someone and let them just make it a, a bestseller or let them you know, sell tons of copies. I mean, it, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. And, you, you know, I mean, even with Ariana, do interviews with the quality of the book for sure. Right, right, and, and so you have to have the sales letter. Yeah, you know. So for Tony, we're putting together a draw shop video that'll be out in the next couple of weeks. It'll be an animated video that the drawshop.com is doing on his book. He wants to feed a uh, hundred million um, homeless people. Uh, he wants to you know, teach people about money. It's a, it's a huge book too. It's like a 700 page book. It's awesome. You know, I'm not even completely done reading the thing. Um, but it's, you know, it's awesome. And I've spent, you know, several hours talking to Tony about it. So I, I get it. I understand the whole, you know, the whole point behind it. Uh, and he's Tony Robbins. I mean, you're, you're talking one of the top self-help guys in the world with, you know, millions of people that are followers, but he still has to get, you know, that messaging down and his goal is not just to sell a bunch of books. I mean, his goal is to feed, you know, millions of, of, of Americans and, and set it up so it happens on a, a continual basis. And then you take things like Dean Graziosi, like me and Dean are going to go meet with the, um, you know, people that run the Make-A-Wish Foundation tomorrow because Dean took this ice bucket challenge, which, you know, I've had dozens of people that have called me out on the ice bucket challenge. And so I've got like a strategy that I'm not going to announce yet on how I'm going to fulfill all of these requests other than making a donation, <laughs> which I will. Uh, right. You know, he did this one going, I want to raise money. I'm going to donate, uh, but I'm also want to, you know, help fund, you know, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So he's got this video now that I think has over 6 million views where he said, I will donate for every like on Facebook for every share, for every like, I'll give you a dollar for every share. I'll, I'll donate $2 up to a hundred thousand dollars. So of course, Dean is going to cut a check for a hundred grand to make a wish foundation. And the, if you look at that campaign, the ice bucket challenge, it literally is direct response. It's like call out three of your friends, right? Yeah. And they've got 24 hours to make a, you know, a hundred dollar donation or dump, uh, you know, dump a bucket of ice on them, ice water, uh, have you done it yet? Or preferably both. I haven't done it yet. I've been, I mean, I've, like you, I've been called out, but I've been uh, on the road this whole time. <laughs> yeah, and of course, I mean, who wants to dump a bucket of ice on them? But, you know, look how many people have. But but the right. point is, you know, the, so you look at all of these elements that are happening. And one of my unique strategies that I'm going to employ, and before, you know, I can explain it right now, but I would prefer testing it first and seeing if it works. Do a whole episode about what happened. Yeah, yeah, but but I'm going to try something in the world of book marketing with Tony and with a couple of other people, including myself, and it's, it's it's a form of crowd sourcing people to help carry a message and incentivizing them to do so. And by right. doing so, uh, I think it will engage a lot of people and some parts of it will fail. But the way that I'm treating stuff now is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, just like marketing, many things don't work and you have to test things out and, and you have to have marketing stamina. Uh, but, you know, in terms of specific strategies, have a trailer, have a core message, 
understand who your audience is, come up with a series of bullets and headlines uh, to promote it, uh, have a lot of conversations that reach a lot of people, be willing to do interviews, be willing to do webinars, be willing to do uh, live cast, um, be willing to give away a lot of stuff for free in order to engage people, educate people on what it is and what it's about. Don't just write a book to write a book. Figure out what is the outcome that you want the book to be, and by all means, uh, understand that you know the the more uh, writing to teach versus writing to sell are two completely different things. If you spend all of your time just teaching people, but you never ask them to buy, you never you know create a call to action. You you don't uh, create something that encourages other people to tell other people about it. It's going to be you know hard going, and 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 really go back to. Uh, breakthrough DNA that's on ilovemarketing.com and read select a single target market and go all the way through the eight profit activators. What's the before unit? What's the during unit? What's the after unit? And this may be the most important thing. If you think you will never write a book or you don't have a book in you, the question to ask yourself is why? Like what, what do you know that if you were able to document it, if you were able to speak to it, if you don't like to you know, if you if you don't think you could write a book, listen to the episode that we did on you know the, the, the you know the ninety minute book. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be a huge book. It doesn't have to be you know Tony Robbins is like you know I wrote a seven hundred page book in times where people don't even read books like that anymore. And well, I'm like, well, one of the things I you know talked with him about a couple of days ago was well, it's really you're kind of giving people anywhere from four to seven books in one book for the price of one book. I go, that's a <laughs> right, that's exactly. a pretty freak, and it really is. I mean, it's broken up into. I mean, it's a it's an insane level of work that he has put into this book, and he interviewed some of the wealthiest people in the world about things that have never been told to the public about how to make money. And it's right. it's like crazy, like the amount of work that and, and you know you know if you know Tony, Tony's a really really driven guy, and yeah. you know but but he's also to see him um, in a couple of weeks. Um, going down with Frank. Yeah. So, uh, to, yeah. So those are my thoughts. I mean, you have plenty of perspectives on this too. So I'd love to ha- hear you speak to it. Well, I think that, you know, you hit it on the head that everybody has a book. I'm seeing now, like we've been doing the 90-minute book um, process all this year. We launched in December. And the books and the stories and the things that people are sharing about being, how everything changes when they have a book. I mean, some and things that you would never imagine that you could write a book about. We got a, a guy in Toronto, uh, Doug Cran. He's got a, a company that does workplace safety compliance training and, and um, helping companies, you know, comply with the uh, workplace safety laws. Commodity, commodity. Everybody, it's like you say about carpet cleaning, something that nobody wants to do, uh, you know, trying to make that sexy. And so we had a conversation and talked about this idea of how can you make something like that seem, how can you elevate it above what everybody else is doing? And so uh, we came up with the phrase return on safety. And so did a 90 minute book called return on safety, turning workplace safety into a competitive advantage and bottom line profits and explain,
explained this whole process in, uh, you know, just to get that, that message out there. And he just emailed us in sharing about the results from this, that he's getting in to talk to companies that he has never been able to break into. He's getting people calling him. He spoke, you know, cause now you've got a book. Now you're invited to speak at things. You're invited to, uh, you know, come on podcasts, all these things. Um, and he's got, you know, enough work lined up for five years. He says now from changing just the messaging of what you're saying and getting a message and a conversation started. And that, you know, you said something when you're talking about this whole process, that the most valuable thing about the book is starting the conversations. What's the end objective of the book? Because it's not about the book itself. It's not about, you know, Pour, you're pouring yourself into creating this huge tome that's, you know, the most immaculately written book that you can imagine. It's about starting the conversation and getting the message spread. And so that, what I've really learned in observing this is that it really does not, um, the thing that starts it is the message itself, you know? So having a Having the the concept, that title, return on safety, and those words going to the right person, they want to be in that conversation. It doesn't matter whether the book is 50 pages or 250 pages. You know, it's the fact that it's a book and the fact that it has a title that when the right audience reads it, their immediate response is, I want that book. I want that. Preferably, you title the book something that's a, a benefit, you know? And so I've seen it now again and again, like just with, even with our own, you know, the 90-minute the book, the book about the 90-minute book process is exactly, you know, made from that process. And that's created a, um, you know, a, a business service that generates hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know? It's just a um, 50 page book, but it provides something that is a really valuable service. So we're seeing it across the board, just how all the different things that people are, are, um, using the books for, you know, but having a title and having that thought process that it's not about that the book is the end. The book is the beginning. The book is the conversation. And so whether you've got a product or a service or a message that you want to get out, it's, you know, starting that, uh, starting that conversation and it can happen quickly. You know, not, not everybody needs to be a New York times, uh, bestseller. We've had some Amazon, uh, bestsellers going through, uh, through this process with their 90 minute books, but it's, for most people, for all our listeners who don't have an aspiration to be a New York Times bestseller or don't have the platform for that or don't have the the need for that, if they're running a local business, it's not, um, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether they are a, a New York Times bestseller. The thing that's going to change for them is using a book to 
start conversations with the right target audience and lead that conversation into your products and services that cost thousands of dollars or hundreds of dollars more than, you know, putting everything you have into a, a $20 book. Right, right. You know, one thing I, I, I want to share. You, have you ever read, uh, you know, uh, First Hundred Million by E. Uh, yeah, and Julius? right, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Those little blue books, right. Yeah, let me tell this story because someone reprinted the book on Amazon. Uh, you can get it the first hundred million. And th- this is a guy back, you know, I mean, wh- like over a hundred years ago in the early 1900s, uh, they were selling like 20 books for a dollar. So there's like about mm-hmm. five cents a book. And he sold, you know, over a hundred million little blue books. And the description they wrote of this is every publisher dreams of selling a hundred million books. E. Hattleman Julius made it happen. Year after year, publishers go under before they even see a fraction of that number. The reason is simple. Few publishers Publishers truly know what the American public wants to read. Fewer still know what the keywords in a title can trigger a buying frenzy. Be different and gain control of your publishing success by applying the results of E. Hattleman Julius's amazing scientific experiment. He published thousands of books, all with the same cover design, size, and price. The only thing that set them apart was the title. He discovered that a change of a single word uh, literally could mean thousands more in sales. Gain an insight into the American public's buying habits without breaking the bank. Apply keywords that trigger your buyers' insatiable appetites and be the next publishing success. Don't hesitate because your competitor sure won't. Now, certainly that was someone that just like took the book. It was probably public domain and you know I, I don't even know but the you know the, the point is that, like he gives all of these examples of the same exact book same content all he changed was the title and he would literally he tracked how many copies were sold with this title how many copies were sold with this title and if anyone is thinking about writing a book or selling anything that book is such an incredible proof that the title and what you call it it has everything to do with how many people buy it. And, you know, there are people that will spend literally years and, and, and thousands of dollars and thousands of hours writing a book, but they will put no emphasis on figuring out what the hell to call it. And, you know, <laughs> right. when, 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 I, um, when I interviewed, uh, you know, Ted Nicholas, gosh, it was probably 14 years ago now. I don't even know how long ago. And, you know, he had sold over $200 million worth of uh, information products. And he, you know, he had many courses that were 100, 150, 200, 250, 300 page courses. And he, he made this comment that he would spend more time uh, writing the single-page ad to sell the 300-page course than he spent writing the 300 pages. And that always struck me as like going, that's the reason he sold $200 million worth of stuff is because yeah. he, he understood that the creating of the stuff was different than the selling of the stuff. It was diff- you know, yeah. and, and that's why I always love the word glop. You know? I mean, what you have is your product or your service or your book or your whatever. Although we're talking about books, this really applies to anything that you're selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all glop. And mm-hmm. you, know, you may have the best glop in the world, but if you can't convey that your glop is the best glop or it's a really good glop or people should buy your glop, then it's just glop. So how do you make it something other than just another book on health, just another book on service, just another book on management, just another book on teaching your parrot how to talk, you know, parrot, the bird, that's in case anyone's confused. Um, and, and so that's, that's just a really, you know, really great uh, insight. And those are little things that most people would never hear about because they're like, oh, well, you know, what am I going to learn 
from a book that was written a hundred years ago. I want to read a book mm. on social media. I want to read a book on you know new open source you know management. Well, it's like well you know that's that's why no matter what your thing is you're working on, it would be it, it's it, that's that's timeless information. That's not timely information. And, and right. what was really crazy is how much sex sold even back then because he. Because it, it always will, you know. There, he, he had all these titles about marriage, about relationships, and inserting the word sex, or you know, produced completely different results. So, if, if if anyone was to ever pick up that book and go through it, he lists out all the titles and the results. But my point here is that you know, just like the, what you call a movie, just like what you call your company, just what you call your thing. Uh, it has a lot to do with the success of it, and that's why you have so you to test these at, things. Uh, and yeah, having the message though that's going to compel people to to get it. I mean, we've got so right now in Success Magazine, we've got the um, email uh, mastery ad that we did last year. Remember, and the uh, that book was. Uh, our email series on um, on I Love Marketing. You know, it was the transcripts of the, of the email marketing series that we did. And so it's really, uh, I just talked with um, Dan today. So the first couple of weeks here, it's at, um, you know, 65 or 70% um, opt-in rate because of the way that it is introduced right? It's not, they don't have any idea whether that book is 250 pages or 50 pages or whatever it is. What they're interested in is the information. We tapped into the conversation that people want to have, you know? Yeah. So, so the point is read the ad in Success Magazine and take a look at how people are compelled to mm -hmm. follow up. And there you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, you're right. You're totally right. So what else, Dean? What else? What do you think? Well, those whole, I mean, you know, it's really about what you do after they've, um, after they start the conversation, you know, you, you start the conversation by offering the, the book. And then now what you've got is you've turned an invisible prospect into a visible prospect. And it's all about starting and continuing that, that conversation with them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we've, it's, it's so, uh, it's so amazing just these times that we're in now that we can, you know, have all the technology to create something like a minute book that some, we can get on the phone and record and transcribe a conversation, turn that into a book and have something, you know, from start to finish that takes, an entrepreneur 90 minutes, you know? Yes. It's yes. something. Yeah. Well, I want to even mention things too. One of the first things that I did, and you've done a lot of this too in the real estate industry, and I did it in the cleaning industry, and, and I actually launched a new podcast for cleaners called Rich Cleaner. So richcleaner.com, uh, where we're going to, you know, I'm doing episodes specifically for professional cleaners and restorers. So those of you that listen to our podcast that are in that industry, uh, I just launched a specific podcast just for that industry. And some of the episodes that we do here that are applicable there, I will probably put them uh, 
as you know episodes on rich cleaner just because there's a lot of stuff that 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 applies to everyone uh for that but you know one of the first things that i created for myself was a consumer guide to carpet cleaning although it wasn't a book it was a report it was a guide and i was the author and that was my first introduction into making myself an author of educational material. And then I would literally license and sell the template to other professional cleaning companies so that they could customize their own education base communication system in print because there was no internet when I first started and all of a sudden I taught professional cleaners and restorers all over the country how to actually put their name on it. So so I took them from selling advertising uh, or not selling advertising but paying for advertising that just talked about their company to actually being someone that advised the public on how to choose a carpet cleaner, uh, obviously slanted towards them, their advantages, why people should do business with them and give them marketplace positioning. Uh, And and I'll tell you, uh, it, it took a lot of people that had all kinds of knowledge, but they never knew what do I do with it? How do I communicate it to the consumer? I mean, you got all this training, you do great work, and you're sitting there running an ad that says your logo, the list of services, and your phone number. I mean, how useless is that to do? You right. know, that's that's my biggest gripe with you know brand building. If if you're a really educated craftsperson and you've got training and you provide all these benefits and you're running an ad with a jingle or you're putting a picture of a dog or a picture of a carpet cleaner and you're running a price. I mean, what, what kind of nonsense is that? I mean, like literally right. educate the public on what it is you do and you can still put in your company name. You can still put up your website if you want to, you know, but my whole thing is like make make the words the the, the thing that compel people, not, you know, and if you want to use you know, imagery, you know, a lot of people are like, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Well, a, you know, a mental picture is worth 10,000 words. And so with copy, you're able to create a, a mental picture. You're able to create a craving. Uh, and where a lot of people get confused with it is, you know, you, I mean, they've even done this with MRIs. You know, you can show sexual imagery and the brain will light up. I mean, they've even done tests on monkeys where, you know, if they put a picture of a monkey's butt... Uh, uh, like in, in front of a monkey and he watches a screen, the monkey will literally freaking go across, uh, I mean, will literally like not eat, will do things just, will give up juice. They use juices like the commerce. It's, it's the mm-hmm. same thing, of, you know, in order to keep seeing imagery, which is why pornography is like so addictive. So you'll see a lot of imagery used in that way, but people confuse that with, oh, let's put a picture there. You, I mean, you got to understand what's going on in the, 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 the mental mechanisms of the, of the human mm-hmm. brain. And really, if you're, if you're going to use pictures, if you're going to use logos, if you're going to use am- animation, don't use it either or. Use it in conjunction with power powerful titles, powerful headlines, powerful copy, education, stepping people through. Selling is rarely an event. It's, it's a process. Once in a while, you know, like in, in the world of cleaning and restoration, if all of a sudden my house is flooded, I immediately need somebody because timing is stuff. But hiring a carpet cleaner is a different sort of process than having a flood and needing an emergency service that's going to come over at three in the morning. You know, those are two entirely different things, but it's it's important to understand the difference between both and how you how you communicate and how you present and how you package all of that. So anyway, yeah. 
So before we wrap up, what, uh, what, what final words of advice do you have for our listeners to, uh, to, to do related to books or any other recommendations with things that we've recorded in the past that you'd like to speak to or any other stuff you think would be valuable? Well, I think they should write one. I mean, for sure, that use a book as a lead generator. It's the very best profit activator, number two thing that, uh, you know, we've seen. I mean, it's the thing that gets the highest response, gets the highest op rates, has the most um, perceived value. I think it's, uh, I just can't punch any holes in it. So, I would recommend it for everybody to do a, uh, to book. And, you know, when you think about if you could turn something like workplace safety into a, uh, <laughs> into something interesting and, uh, and valuable, I mean, anything you could possibly, um, imagine you could do. I had, uh, I, no, I'm not going to tell you about it yet because I want to, I want to get the, uh, test done. Sorry. I had something that could be a really cool uh, future episode here. We could do a whole episode on this on this case study. Cool, cool. And no, same no, thing and, with you, yeah. And, and 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 what I would like to do in a future episode is talk about some of the specific strategies I've learned from all these darn events that uh, that I've been to, and yeah. also you know some of the amazing content that we created at the Genius uh, Net- Network annual event. And I'll plug the next year's annual event. So we now know that uh, next year it's going to be set, uh, oops, October 26th and 27th in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is a beautiful time of the year in Arizona. That's my event that uh, will, for early birds, it'll be ten grand a person. Uh, I may raise the rate to 25000 a person just to attend the event. It is the highest level marketing event in the world, bar none. The one that I did in August uh, was the highest level marketing event that's ever been done in the history of the world for direct response marketers. The the level of the people, uh, the 10-minute talks, I mean, it, it was awesome. And this year, uh, you know, I'll have um, Tony Robbins coming, you're coming, Dan Sullivan, uh, Peter Diamandis, uh, you know, John Paul uh, DeGioia, the billionaire, just confirmed uh, that he will be there, Harvey McKay, Frank Kern, like a whole slew of, of awesome yeah. people. And so you can get on the list uh, at Genius Network Events with an S.com. And we'll, once we have all the final details, we will notify you. But this is for players. Uh, it's it's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. But we'll share some of that. And then I'm going to test out some different models I was talking about. And the things that work, we'll talk about those and share those with all of our listeners so you can benefit and profit from it. About- that's the fun thing about you know doing this uh, podcast. We're just putting together all the finishing stuff for the uh, yearbook for 101 to 150 episodes now. And uh, I was talking with some of the the people on my team here, and they're like, "Boy, you guys never run out of stuff to talk about." And it's like you know because we're constantly doing new stuff, and and like we're living this adventure of marketing that it's something that talk about a 25 year plan. I mean, we've been having these kind of conversations for 17 or 18 years now. You can't maybe, I think next year will be 20 years for you and I, but uh, you know, you can imagine that we're still going to be doing these kind of uh, having these conversations 20 years from now. It's, it's amazing to. Yeah. You mean me, you know, each other for 20 years or, or starting the company 20 years ago. 
No, you and I, you and I, uh, knowing each other for 20 years now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Coming up. It's painful, all that time that we've had to spend together. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we're just, we're just sharing the misery on ilovemarketing.com just to, uh, just to uh, you know. That's so funny. So we would love to have you uh, give your comments on ilovemarketing.com, what you thought about this uh, episode, what ideas that you have, and please uh, share it with all your friends and, and neighbors and loved ones and you know even people you don't like because it'll still get more people to say. listen to our stuff. And uh, yeah, share, share these episodes with other entrepreneurs, uh, share the love. And uh, that's, that's all I got to say. I just um, wish everyone the very best and thanks for, thanks for listening to us. And we will uh, talk to you on the next episode of I Love Marketing. Bye.